never forget why you are the church. Become born again as we get up out of the grave. Amen. He picks us up and turns us around. Today, again, I am extremely excited about the word today, but I'm also burdened about the word today. Uh, If you were to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, I was pondering and really debating on what to preach in this last day of 2023. And again, I'm not trying to make this uh, special in the fact that tomorrow is 2024. I'm not trying to make this to where we have people make New Year resolutions and stuff like that. That is not what this is for. However, I was in my office on Wednesday, and I was praying to the Lord. And if you, if you heard the reel that I made or the video that I made uh, on Facebook just to announce um, the past few months, I've been, I feel like I've been just kind of going through the motions, right? I feel like that I have been kind of, you know, yes, I've been studying uh, just as hard, if not harder than I ever have. Um, you know, I've been, I've been trying to prepare the, the best worship sets to set the table for the word. Uh, all that has been fine. But in regards to seeing kind of into what God could do, um, that would be called having vision, right? And so that's something that in my office and, and as I think and as I talk to people, that's something that comes easy to me. Not, I'm not bragging. I'm not being arrogant. It's just, you know, it's something I go through. You, you would never believe how many sticky notes I go through just the things that God could do, right? And uh, so I was sitting there, and that hasn't been happening here recently. And so, and I found myself that because it hasn't been happening here recently, I've been kind of losing a little bit of the joy uh, that I used to have when it comes to ministry, right? Not that it was a burden like, like I didn't want to do it, but, but please understand what I'm saying this morning, right? I would get up and I knew that, hey, my call is to be a pastor, my call is to preach, my call is to teach and lead. All that never wavered, but it was rather just kind of the joy and motivation that came with it. And so I'm sitting in my office Wednesday, and I'm, I wrote some stuff on the board, and I'm sitting there praying to the Lord, God, just give me something. Give me something, just something to hang on to. I know I'm going to heaven. I know all the people that are born again in the world are going to heaven. I, I can hang on to Christ, but give me, give me something to hang on to even more. And so as I was praying, he revealed to me, and uh, it's amazing how we're going to go over a parable this morning. And many of you may not remember, but when I first got here, uh, we did a, one of my first, if not the very first, Sunday morning series was on the parables of Jesus. And it was in that time to where it was almost every single week we saw somebody born again. Almost every single week we saw somebody baptized. There was anticipation. It, it, was, it was in the, it was in the, 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 the the parking lot. When you parked, there was just anticipation that God was going to do something. And so it was, it's amazing to me that God brought me back to a parable in his word. So Matthew 25, we're going to look at the parable of the talents. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, I'm sure you can find a more sophisticated definition than that for a parable, but that is the parable that I'm giving you today. It is a heavenly or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The greatest teacher 
Whoever walked the earth, that is Jesus Christ, used practical everyday concepts to convey deep spiritual truths. He preached to the people. Does that make any sense to you? He preached to those who were around him. I'm telling you this. If you think you have a sophisticated, super intelligent pastor, you obviously have not met me personally, right? Listen, I, I like to preach in ways that I am able to learn, and that is, that is I go deep to go simple, but man, the way truth is communicated to me is through simple truth. Does that make any sense? So church, there is no one like our God, but before we get to the parable, it is no secret that we are at the end of 2023. Does anyone have a celebration plan tonight to kind of go into the new year? Go ahead and raise your hand, you bunch of heathens. I know, I get it. No, hopefully, listen, obviously I know you can do that in a godly way. I've always done it. Uh, depending on how I feel tonight, I'm probably going straight to bed. Um, but uh, as a matter of fact, there was one year uh, growing up, we used to always do something. And I remember one year, I'll never forget it, that my parents were like, we're not doing anything this year. And in pouting, I went to my bedroom and I was like, well, fine, I'm going to sleep in the new year like a loser, like that right there. And it was the best new year ever. You know what I'm saying? It was just great. I woke up. It was a new year. Nothing, you know, everything was, you know, how it was. But if you were like me, as you start looking at the new year, for me, I begin to think about how I can make the next year more effective, right? I like to be effective. I like, I like things to be happening, productive, okay? Um, and especially uh, with my finances. Now, before you turn me off, this is not a financial, uh, by nature it is with the content, but this is not a tithing message, so you can actually listen for the next few moments, Okay. But I do think about my finances, right? Uh, I have a financial planner that helps me strategize any investments or policies that I have. Um, do I open a new policy or a new account? Do I put more in the one I already have? There are questions that I ask to be more productive with the things that I have. Why? Well, again, to be productive is to be effective and to be successful, right? So I was, I was thinking about this, and I did a little bit of a little bit of research, most if not all of my focus is on retirement, right? Because I'm a pastor, you know, uh, I believe that I'll be preaching until the day I die. That may be, you know, sooner than one thinks. I'm not sure, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all stress me out. But anyway, um, but seriously, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm going to be that preacher that you got to like, you got to like clamp down to the pulpit and I'm going to still be preaching, but everything looks old except my voice kind of thing. That's how I, that's how I envision myself. Uh, it may not work out that way because I am sickly, but either way, typically, y'all laughing at a brother being sick. I feel the love. But my focus is on retirement. Not, not that I plan to retire again anytime soon, but when that time comes, I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. I don't want to have to suffer during that time. I looked at some statistics over multiple sources. And I found that a good median number is 55. 55% of non-retired people have a 401k or 403b. Now, you're thinking, man, what are you talking about? Well, just, just stay with me. Now, obviously, there are other forms of long-term planning, but those two are of the most common. 25% of non-retired people have, a, have no retirement savings of any kind. Well, I'll just draw Social Security. Well, that is an easy, do-nothing extra plan, amen? They take it out of your check. 
When you get to that time, now, I don't know. Some of y'all could explain it very well. But you, you turn in whatever you got to turn in, and you, they cut you a check each month, right? That's Social Security. Don't have to do anything different. No more stress, nothing like that. Just keep on doing what you're doing and hope that it, work out, it works out in the end. Now, understand, Social Security is only designed, I did not know this before I researched it, but it's only designed to replace 40% of the average salary. According to Business Insider, Social Security is only guaranteed to be funded through 2035, at which point it will be only three-fourths funded. Now we're at around 30% salary covered. You see the bleakness here. Now, this is what you do if you don't want to do anything else. You just depend on, hey, this is what I do, and hopefully it works out in the end. Now, what does this have to do with church? Honestly, what does it have to do? Well, this is not to be a financial seminar, but if there's one thing everyone understands to some degree, it is the concept of money. And see, Jesus uses this concept to teach, and and in Matthew 25, it is to expound a deeper truth. So we're going to split this in three parts here, and then I'm going to connect it all at the end, and we're going to see God work. First of which, the first part, number one, we see the opportunity. The opportunity. Look at verses 14 through 18. If you're there, say, read. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he, had, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. My title today is Heavenly Portfolio. Heavenly Portfolio. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the strength that you have given me this morning to preach your word. God, I thank you that I do feel that there is an attentive uh, spirit today, God. And Lord, I just ask you that those that have ears to hear, let them hear. May we not get distracted today. God, may we not be thinking about what's going on after this service, Lord, but may we be focused on your word today. Lord, I pray when we get to challenge time. I pray when we get to move time. Lord, first off, God, I pray, Lord, that we understand that we don't have to wait to the invitation to make a decision. But, Lord, as your word is being preached, those hearts are being pricked. And, God, we thank you for that. But when it does get to that time that we set aside for the move and the challenge, Lord, I pray that we see a mighty, mighty move, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We see the opportunity. Now, first off, in verse 14, it says, for the kingdom of heaven. So right from the start, Jesus lets us know that we are talking about the nature of the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we see this man, this man represents Christ. Now, Jesus, we know, ascended not long after Calvary and the resurrection. Now, he ascended, but he will return. Amen. That's one of the hopes that we hold on to. But in the meantime, we have been equipped to extend his kingdom. That is why we are here. Have you ever thought about why God does not just take us up when he saves us? 
Have you ever thought about it? I, I've been asked that so many times. Preacher, why, why, when we get born again, why is it not that God just brings us straight up to heaven and, and, and keeps us from all this extra stuff and all this extra suffering and all this extra persecution and whatever happens? Why in the world would he keep us here? Well, it's because we have a job to do. If we didn't have a job to do, he would have. But we have work that is to be done here on earth, and that is to extend his kingdom. Life is about opportunities. I have been told a whole lot that I have what people call FOMO. Anyone ever heard of FOMO? Be very careful. FOMO, okay? That's fear of missing out. I cannot stand missing out on something. As a kid, I thought it was just me being irritated all the time, but really, I, it would literally give me anxiety if there was something going on I wasn't a part of it, right? I'm still kind of like that today, but it's kind of fading as I get older. It's like, oh, that's cool. They can have their fun. I'm going to go and, uh, you know, take a nap or something. You know what I'm saying? But either way, uh, fear of missing out. Listen, why? Because life is all about opportunities. Opportunities are there to be taken, right? Opportunities taken and opportunities not taken can define someone's life. Verse 15 says this, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. According to his, uh, their abilities, they received. Uh, one, uh, one got five, one got two, and one got one. Now, this was a, hev- a heavy level of trust that this man showed these servants. Now, talent in that time was made of silver and could have weighed between 58 to 80 pounds uh, per talent. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty heavy situation right there. That is a big investment made. In other words, the man entrusted a considerable amount of money in these servants. Why? To invest wisely, to do something with. See, God gives us opportunity according to our abilities to use his resources for good use. Isn't it good to know that God knows you? Did you know that God knows you? Listen, I, if you see me walking a little bit slow, it's because I, for the first time in three months, I worked out my lower body. I don't know. It's, y'all look at me like y'all go to gym. Quit that. Okay, at least I'm there. But anyway, look, I worked out my lower body. And man, I'm telling you right now, we didn't, it's embarrassing because Zach was with me and, and I, the next day I was super sore and I was like, hey, Zach, are you sore? He's like, no, we barely did anything. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but see, my lower body has always been, I've always had chicken legs, right? And I've always tried to skip leg day because it's, you know, it's embarrassing, right? To, to be able just to squat not that much. But here's the thing. When you're with somebody, right? And you're sitting there, and, and they're really good at something, right? They, they, they can maybe do the hack squat or whatever, and they're just packing it on. I don't know if you all remember Tyler, right? But uh, by the way, Tyler's doing good, right? Him and Leah are, are, are great. Just want to give an update to the church. But either way, uh, that was my buddy. We used to work out, right? And he was way stronger than me. So we would be doing leg day, and he'd be like, yes, you can do it. I'm like, no, I cannot do it. Yes, you can do it, brother. Do not put another plate on that bar. And he would stack it up. And I'm telling you right now, it's when we did. And I'd have it on there. And I'd be like, I just went. He was like, you got it. Come on. I'm like, I don't have it. I don't have it. And listen, and I would fail. And I'd be embarrassing. Why? Because he thinks he knows my abilities, but he doesn't really know me. He did not create me. See, God created us in such a way that he knows what you can handle and what you cannot handle. Now, now here's the thing. You say, well, why is that such a big deal? Well, again, if you look at this, it says that he gave them talents to every man according to his several ability. 
He will not entrust you with more than you can handle, nor will he entrust you with less than you can handle. We serve a great, thoughtful God, church. Let me ask you this. What opportunities are you taking? When it comes to your life with Christ, when it comes to the resources that he's given you, I'm not just talking about money. Do not be so narrow-minded to just think about money. I'm talking about the grace gifts that he has given you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through salvation. What opportunities are you taking? No one can say they don't have any. Let me, let me get something out of the way real quick because it's going it's to it's gonna come to be needed at the end of this. For you to say that I don't have a gift is to say biblically that you don't have salvation. Hear me. Be very careful how we talk. For you to say, well, God just hasn't gifted me. Well, that means God hasn't saved you. And the good thing is today is that God can save you. And, but when God saves you through, through uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary, through us confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we will be saved. In that moment, we are transformed. We are made a new creation, but we are also sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is the earnest payment of what is to come to keep us in with the Lord. And in that is a gift that is to be used for his glory. So be very careful with saying, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I can't be used for the Lord, or I, I don't have a gift, or I haven't figured mine out. Listen, hey, you know what's funny about that? I've ne- Could you imagine being given a gift at Christmas? I know, listen, I'm, I'm done with Christmas too, okay? But let's talk about it one more time. Could you imagine being given a gift and waiting, and, and, and here comes March, and your, and your parents, or whoever gave you the gift, walks into your house, and you got that gift all wrapped up in the house, and they're like, hey, I... That, that was your Christmas gift, dude. What, what, are you, what are you doing? Why have you not opened it? Oh, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the right time. I'm just waiting for the right time. And here, here comes July, and they're like, man, you still not opened my Christmas gift, man. It's, maybe Christmas in July. Maybe it's the right time. No, no. How silly would that be? You'd be looking at that person like, you're crazy. Open the gift now. What do we, when a child gets a gift, what do they do? They rip it open. They see what it is. But you don't have, I've never had to tell River, hey, open that gift. She's opening it. You see what I'm saying? As children of God, when we become born again, hear me, don't miss this. We are not to sit around and wait for the right opportunity or wait for the right time to, to serve the Lord. We are to get serving immediately. And as we are serving him, doing what we know to do, we may not know a whole lot, but we know just a little And doing what we know to do, that is when God is going to cultivate that gift in our life. And we're going to be sure of what God has gifted us in. Is anyone with me this morning? I feel like I'm super loud and you're all super quiet. And that's okay, all right? Is anyone with me this morning? Amen. But we serve a great, thoughtful God. Look at what the servants did now. Verse 16, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Two of them took the opportunity they were given. They went and they multiplied the gift. They multiplied the resource. One of them did not. They went and hid that talent away. Well, look at verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. See, here we see it was a long time before the man returned. Don't you love that Jesus 
is preaching and teaching the future to come right here as he stands on the earth? It's so cool. You say, well, what does that do with Jesus? Well, think about it. When Jesus, it's been a long time since he's ascended, but he is going to come back right here. He is promising to us that are waiting for him now that he, it might be a long time, but he will return. And when he does return, he will have a reckoning time. But it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus ascended. It's been a very long time. I can tell you this, though. We are closer to his return than we've ever been. And everyone has an opportunity. So the man returned and reveals, number two, not only did they have an opportunity, but they had the responsibility. Look at verses 19 through 25. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So we have responsibility here. How did the servants use his resources? See, the responsibility... Uh, in, in, is, is being, in being a servant of Christ is very clear to us today. Jesus does not equip us for pew sitting. Jesus equips us for soul winning kingdom building. Can you hear me again? Jesus did not equip you for pew sitting. Everyone look at the seat that you're in. What would that be? That'd be a pew. You know Jesus did not save you just for that beautiful pew? Jesus did not save you just to go to church. By the way, those that go to church might, might lose the, the thought that they are the church, right? So, so right here, we got to understand, we got to be careful. To ignore responsibility is to neglect the resources and gifts God has given you. Now, the first two took this responsibility seriously. They both doubled the master's investment. What was the master's response? His Lord said unto him in verse 21, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now I want you to know something. This is the greatest reward a loyal servant could have asked for. Because they could be trusted, uh, the master now entrusted them with even more. Can I tell you something personally that happens in pastor circles? Not, not in a bad way, but just, you know, you know how in your industry you talk and, and in, in, in pastors we talk. They, 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 I've been told so many times, listen, J Jacob, you got to understand, man, you know, you have a little bit of ability. You know, you could do a whole lot of things somewhere else. You could do this. And hey, hey you know, maybe God will move you here or whatever it is. And just know that you don't have to stay at Cedar Grove, all this stuff. And they're sitting there trying to encourage me with this. And, and every single time, this is what I think. Hey, if I'm not faithful with little, how can I be faithful with much? I, I'm not trying to climb any corporate ladder. You understand that? If I, if I would have, I, there was a time to jump, and I didn't jump. I'm here, baby. I'm, I'm here to stay, okay? You understand what I'm saying? 
But listen, all I'm trying to say is this. We've got to understand that it doesn't matter how much God has gifted us. That gift can be used for mighty, mighty things. One of the most encouraging people that's ever been in my life. He has done more. He, will, he, he has done more for the kingdom that he knows just by encouraging this pastor. His name was Henry Maynard. Henry Maynard, he lives right down the road. Now, I've told stories and stories, but he was the guy, uh, man, that he had his little Dr. Pepper at all times, and he was here no matter what. He had, a, he had a, that, that scratchy voice, and man, he loved the Lord. And see, Henry Maynard was somebody that he didn't, he, he didn't have much you know, biblical knowledge. I'm not trying to be mean, but he, he was just a simple dude. He wanted to learn more. He, want, he wanted to know more about God. He was excited about Jesus. He wanted to serve. He didn't know how to do much, but whatever he, he, whatever he knew how to do, he was going to do. I'll never forget this. And I went to his house. It was my first visit ever made. It was actually around Christmas time. I'll never forget because he had a blue Christmas tree. I was like, okay, that's cool. He's like, yeah, it's just what we do. I was like, cool, man. I wasn't even pastor this church yet. And he said this. He said, hey, I want you to know, pastor, First person to actually call me pastor, I think, in that, in that context, context. He said, I want you to know, pastor, I'm excited for you to be my pastor, and you have my support. Listen, that was a gift of encouragement. That, you say, oh, he was just, that's a grace gift that he utilized to cultivate my gifts. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Listen, that little impact, hey, you know what? That was almost seven years ago. As a matter of fact, it would be just about seven years ago now. Now, we know that Henry, he had battled with cancer, and, and he had a third bout, and, uh, and he ended up going home with the Lord. But I can tell you this. I can't wait to tell him, hey, I just want you to know that you, you helped launch what God did at Cedar Grove Baptist Church. You say, well, God can't use little old me. Oh, God, God doesn't want to use you. He has equipped little old you. He has saved little old you to, be mighty, to do mighty things for his kingdom. So they doubled the master's investment, and therefore the master said, because I can trust you with what I've given you, I will have you rule over many things, so enter into my joy. That's the, that's the greatest part to me. He told him, hey, come into my joy. Is, is that not the ultimate reward that we look for? Eternal peace, eternal joy, life with Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I appreciate Dr. Stuart Weber's commentary on this, and I'm going to read this from the screen. Uh, but it says this, and you may not be able to see it, but every Christian is entrusted with some responsibility for the kingdom. Everyone say every. Some will take this seriously and invest their lives wisely, and others will squander this responsibility. The part of the kingdom entrusted to each of us is precious to the Lord. He is hurt by the mishandling of a lifetime of opportunity, but he rejoices over a lifetime well spent. He has placed in our hands what is his own. This is a sobering thought to be stewards of kingdom resources. I have another quote that I want to read you. It's just too good. I had to add both of them. The point is clear. When the king returns, he will require an accounting from all of us. Those who have consistently invested their lives obediently and wisely according to heaven's priorities will have a return to offer the king. This return may include personal growth and maturity, souls brought into the kingdom, spiritual infants who have been raised to maturity, needs compassionately ministered to, wounds healed, conflicts reconciled, truth lovingly told. By the way, you can fit in all those things. Maybe not all of them, but you're somewhere in there. The investment we will have made for this return 
will be all we have been entrusted with in this life. Our time, wealth, opportunities, relationships, natural talents, and spiritual gifts, a mind and a conscience, as well as God's word, God's spirit, and God's church. I want to say something. None of us are without excuse or are with excuse. We cannot excuse laziness in our life. We cannot excuse the fact that we may not know or may not be good enough. Listen, hey, he has made you exact. He has saved you to be exactly what you need to be in order to serve him exactly how you need to serve him. That doesn't mean that we don't get more and more like him each day. That's the beauty about sanctification. But we're definitely not saved to not take the opportunity. There is responsibility in knowing God. There is responsibility in being his servant. What do your, what do your heavenly investments look like? Any of you that have a 401k, I know what y'all do. Y'all, y'all check it, right? I, I know people, they check it, and then instantly they start to cry, right? Why? Because they've lost whatever. Can I tell you something? The beauty about a heavenly investment is you can always check it, and it will never be going down. Every investment made in heavenly, in heavenly, with heavenly resources, every investment made into the kingdom, every investment made into his work will bring back reward. But remember, there was three servants. Not just one, not just two, but three. The first took two, took their opportunities responsibly and doubled the master's resources. Now, I just want to say this as well. Notice that now we, we can, I guess, you know, read between the stuff. But really, if you just look at this parable the way it is, the master never told them what to do with it. But they understood the responsibility naturally. This is, this is not just something he's given us just to, this is something that we need to go out and use. Can I tell you something? A born-again believer that is not using the resources that God has given them, you have to be miserable. Why? Because that, new, that, that Holy Spirit that's within you is grieved at the fact that you do nothing. James says, to know to do good and not to do it is sin unto thee. Are, are you still with me? But what about the third person? Remember what he did with the talent. Look at verse 19. I'm sorry, 18. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. I put 19. It was actually 18. I'm sorry. So what was the result of this? Well, verse 24 and 25, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talents in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. In other words, hey, listen, he told him, I know that you are a stout businessman. I know that you are very judging. And so instead of, instead of risking what you've given me, I went and digged and hid it. So you can go get it now. Instead of being responsible, he was fearful Therefore, we see there was opportunity, there was responsibility, but now we see that there is bankruptcy. Look at verse 26 through 30. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. That means interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he that hath abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
See, the servant claimed to be fearful of the master's return. So instead of investing the master's resources, he hid them. He attempted to play the victim when he returned. I want you to know something. This person right here did not know his master like the other two knew him. All this servant knew was the master's wrath, was the master's uh, 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 anger, was the master's judgment. But the other two obviously knew the master's goodness and generosity and love. There's a balance that we have to have, church. So instead of investing the master's resources, he hid them. He he attempted to, to not do anything, not lose anything. But the master revealed this servant's true character and heart. His Lord, in verse 26, answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with interest. The servant wasn't simply playing it safe. I know it's easy to think, well, he was, he was, being, he was being smart in his investment. Hey, if you, don't, if you don't risk it, you can't lose it. Can I tell you something? When it comes to God, you can't lose it anyway. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, when it comes to the Lord, you cannot lose your salvation anyway. You cannot lose the, the, the resource that he's given you anyway. But he wasn't simply trying to play it safe. He was self-serving, disobedient, unwilling to take risks or do any work at all. Maybe even thinking, maybe the master will not return. And if he doesn't return, maybe I can just go back and take that talent for myself. He was wicked and lazy. Church, This third servant represents someone who has a limited knowledge of God. All he cared to know was the the sternness, not the loving part of the master. Church, many who sit in a church house weekly have the same thought of God. They think they can just claim Christ, yet never take any opportunity or responsibility for the things of God. They may desire to be called Christian, but they are spiritually bankrupt. You say, well, why? Why? Why would you say that? Well, look at verse 29 through 30. I'm sorry, 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This servant had all the opportunity as the first two, yet squandered it away. We talked initially of retirement plans. Y'all remember that conversation? Y'all thinking, how in the world does that apply to this? I'm going to apply it now. 55% of non-retired people have a 401k or 403b. That leaves 45% that do not have such plans. They might have other plans, but maybe not those particular popular plans. But in that 45% of the whole, 25% have nothing at all, no plans of retirement. Because they have not invested wisely, they will suffer later on. But most don't even think about that now because they think everything will just work out in the end. Well, I'll be taken care of somehow. Well, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just come into this or come into that, whatever it is. But, but we'll just try to work that out now. I'm, I'm too busy with what I got to do here. I'm too busy with trying to make my life now. I can't worry about what is to come. I want you to know that doesn't happen with money. It doesn't just work out. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen that way spiritually either. 
Church, we had better stop with this westernized culture of Christianity. Say a prayer, sit in a church, and go to heaven. This is a fake gospel. And can I tell you, a fake gospel will only produce fake eternal security. Only the true gospel can produce true salvation. You say, well, I don't believe in that. I want you to know that these, the first two servants, they served with gladness. They didn't have to be told. They took the resources they were given, and they straightway went, and they invested them, and they brought a return. That's awesome. That's how it should be. But, But here's the thing. Why does all this matter? Well, look at verse 13. Now, I really want to be careful with how I land this plane right here. Please stay with me for the next few moments. Verse 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. That's speaking of Jesus. The Bible is telling us, Jesus himself is telling us, hey, watch, because you don't know when I'll come back. And then he teaches us in the parable of the talents that when he comes back, there will be a time of reckoning. Soon and very soon, church, we are going to see the Son of Man. We are going to see the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we better get to using the resources he hath given us. Pastor, this sounds like a work-based salvation to me. That's because you're not listening. See, that sounds like something the third servant would say. I want you to know that out of these three servants, if there was one that believed in a work-based salvation, it was not the first one, it was not the second one, it was the third one. Why? Because he believed that if he lost it, maybe, maybe uh, he wouldn't be rewarded. If he, if he risked it and something happened. No, so in other words, he was basing it on what he had done, and he missed the point that the resources weren't even his. They were freely given. I want you to know we don't get... We don't invest to get to heaven. We invest because we are going to heaven. Just like, just like financially in this world, you don't invest because you get to retire. You invest because you plan to retire. And when I get there, may I hear these precious words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of of thy Lord. The question is very simple. Are you ready for the master to return? Are you ready for Jesus to return? Because I can tell you what's happening in the church today. There are too many people following after a fake gospel, just like Paul warned us about, just like Jesus warned us about. There are so many people saying, hey, if you just do this, if you just do that, can I, can I, can I, can I help you understand something? We do not serve because we have to. We serve because that's what we've been saved to do. And there are too many people that think if they sit in a pew, they think that if they just, if people see my face at church, that I'll get to go to heaven one day. It'll all work out. That's not how it works. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And a personal relationship with Jesus, that's the opportunity. 
to take it respons- responsibly is to receive that opportunity. But so many are going to be bankrupt. They're going to get the judgment thinking, well, maybe, maybe it'll all work out, and it's not going to. Well, Jesus, didn't I, didn't I work wonders in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I do all these things in your name? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Maybe you're here today, and you're more like the third servant. You've been gifted, but you're hiding that gift. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you have the same opportunity as everyone else. You have heard the gospel, but you have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've never responsibly handled the gospel. You've never responsibly taken the good news. Today you can be saved. Maybe you're here and, and you're sitting in that pew and you, you, don't, you don't do a thing and, 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 and you don't care to serve. You think that your, your Christianity, you think that your old school grandma, grandpa, uncle deacon Christianity is just to go to church and, and to do one good deed a day. That is not biblical Christianity. That's the casual Christianity that we call it today. I want to ask you something. What are you doing with the investment God has put into you? I went to lunch with a pastor. His name is Pastor Don Robbins, pastor for 50 years. Uh, man, started churches in Nova Scotia. You know, pastored 150 people church, 1,000 people church. Just a really cool dude. Kind of one of those guys, like, you know how, like, an athlete wants to meet a cool athlete? A pastor wants to meet a pastor like that. You know what I'm saying? That's just kind of how it is. That's my cool athlete, right? And so I'm, t- I'm you know, he's, t- he's talking to me. He's wanting to get to know me more and stuff. And we, we, we two and a half hours, we had lunch together. And uh, I was telling him, I said, you know what, since we're talking so much and since we're kind of, you know, I feel a little bit of freedom to, to talk to you, and, and t- I told him what God had put in my heart. And he wrote down on this napkin before I even told him, before I got finished telling him, right? I I was beginning to tell him. And as I'm talking, he's writing down this napkin, not even knowing what the end game of what I'm telling him is. And it's three questions, three very simple questions. First one, what do I know? The second one, how do I feel? The third one, what am I going to do beginning today? And this is what he said. He said, you know why? He said, those first two, we, we, we ask every single Sunday, right? Hey, what do I know? Well, well God has spoken to my heart, right? God, through the word, God has revealed things to me. Well, how does that make me feel? Well, that makes me feel like I want to get out of this church, right? That makes me feel like I just can't wait for him to get past the offering or past the, uh, the, the altar call. That just makes me feel like I need to do something. But, but well, okay, well, that's fine. If you feel that way, well, what are you going to do about it starting today? Church, we have allowed people to be drawn and to, because of the system that we've been placed around them, just to leave and allow that seed to be plucked out. Today, I'm asking you, what do you know? How do you feel? And what are you going to do about it beginning today? 